truly new beginning. To really get to understand what we're going to be looking at today and this encounter with Jesus that he has with a religious leader, we need to first go back to the last verses of the previous chapter that we covered two weeks ago. In John chapter 2, verses 24 and 25, but Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. But he did not need any testimony about mankind, for he knew what was in each person. I don't know about you, but to me, it is a blessing that Jesus knows me. He knows me completely. Nothing is hidden from him. There are no masks. There are no heirs. There aren't. He knows me. And he knows me at the deepest levels. He deeply understands me. To put it in a more contemporary way, he gets me. As we move through this gospel from this point forward, we're going to be able to see as how John lays things out, these one-on-one encounters that Jesus has. In chapter 4, there will be two of them, one with the Samaritan woman at the beginning of the chapter and toward the end of the chapter with a nobleman from Capernaum. But here we start with a visit from Jesus by a curious religious leader named Nicodemus. Now, each meeting that we see provides the person that he encounters with an opportunity not just to only be changed, but to be transformed. And that's what we're looking for today. John chapter 3, I'll begin reading in verse number 1. Now there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, very truly I say to you, I tell you, No one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old, Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying. You must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be, Nicodemus? You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? For truly I tell you, we speak of what we know and we testify of what we have seen. But still, you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has ever gone into heaven except the one who came from heaven, the Son of Man. Amen. This man was a Pharisee. The Pharisees were the most strict, conservative, and traditional Jewish sect of those times. Jewish leaders of that day were broken into two categories. Uh, Pharisees and Sadducees. The Pharisees were those who kept themselves away from anything not Jewish. Pharisees carefully followed the Old Testament and also followed strictly 
various oral traditions that had been handed down by previous rabbis and teachers through the centuries. Sadducees were an elite elite priestly group who frequently would mix their religious power with political power. Sadducees were often the ones from any part of the Jewish ruling council who would interact with Rome. This man, Nicodemus, was a member of the Jewish ruling council, or as it is labeled throughout the Gospels, the Sanhedrin. Romans would control Israel politically, and for the most part, most of their civil practices. But this council, the Sanhedrin, was given the ability to have all authority over any religious matter and some minor civil matters. Nicodemus was a very prominent religious figure and leader of that time. Even Jesus acknowledges him in verse 10 as you are Israel's teacher. Right from the beginning, we need to recognize something about, Rick, uh, uh, about Nicodemus. He came to Jesus. Now, it's clear that Jesus is seeking every heart, every person on this planet to be saved. Jesus loves us before we ever turned to him and loved him. Jesus is moving in every life, in all of our lives, to make a way for us to fully embrace him as Savior and Lord. And with all that being said, with all the distance that Jesus is moving in our direction, we still need to come to him. No one can do it for us. We can't get saved for anybody else. Each person must make their own decision based on realizing that he is the Lord and they have a need for him. Everyone, just like Nicodemus, must come to Jesus. Now, it's one thing to come to Jesus seeking answers to questions. It's another thing to come to him hungry. And that's where God's people need to be today. Not just coming with inquiring minds. We need to come to the Lord hungry. Hungry that we are in such need. A a truly searching heart is one that is filled with humility. Understanding that we have needs that we cannot fulfill. A truly searching heart is one that is persevering. So hungry, nothing is going to get in my way. I assure you, when I see an amazing, wonderful bowl of vanilla ice cream, nothing is going to get in my way. I will persevere. A hungry heart, a searching heart, has insight, realizing that Jesus not only was a wonderful teacher who gave tremendous ways of living back in Bible days, but everything he taught is 100% relevant today. A seeking heart is one that is willing to not only accept him as Savior, which is a tremendous benefit to us, but to bow a knee to him as Lord. And then a searching heart is willing to come to the place of obedience, to go beyond just mental acknowledgement and understand and embrace that I am completely and totally dependent upon the Lord Jesus. That's a heart that he responds to. And church, this is not a one-time act. This is not the, the act that we make when we got saved. This is the act we make every single day. This is something we embrace daily. It says that one of the first things we notice about Nicodemus is that he came at night. 
Now, I've heard sermons over the course of my life that explain in many different ways why he came at night. Thing is, John doesn't explain why he came at night. There are many plausible and even likely reasons. Given his leadership position, he probably had to be careful with whom he was seen. And Jesus was not, although he was, his, popularity, his popularity was growing, it wasn't growing for all the right reasons, especially among the Jewish leaders. Yet another possibility is that Nicodemus truly wanted to talk to Jesus. And whenever we see him throughout most of the daytime hours, he's surrounded by crowds, he's performing miracles, he's teaching, he's doing ministry. There are a lot of people around. You ever tried to talk to somebody and have an intimate conversation at a party? It it just doesn't work. You want to try and get them one-on-one, and that's another possibility of why he came at, at night. But we don't know. Nicodemus could have wanted to use the cover of darkness to have this private meeting with the Lord to get to the bottom of who was this man. You have to admit, the way the conversation starts off Nicodemus does pretty well. He first of all addresses him as rabbi, a title of respect and a title of honor, and one that religious leaders did not give out easily. He says in verse 2, we know that you are a teacher that has come from God. That's always puzzled me. Who are we? (laughs) I know that you believe that Nicodemus. I would love to be able to ask him, we? We who? makes me wonder for whom he is speaking. Probably wasn't speaking for all the Sanhedrin, but for some of them. Which gives me some hope that not everybody was blind to the truth of who Jesus was back then. But it's not enough to know that Jesus is from God. It's not enough to know that he is the Lord. Is he your Lord? Is he your Savior? Yes, He is a great and wise teacher. Yes, following his ways, whether you're a Christian or not, following the ways of Jesus, you will have a better life because he knows life better than anybody. But is he your king? Is he your Messiah? Is he your savior? Living a life that respects and honors Jesus is good, but it's not enough. We need to live lives that are completely surrendered to him. Like the song we sang today, he is Everything to me. Everything. Notice that this stream of compliments doesn't stop Jesus from getting to the heart of the matter. Let's be honest. You're having an encounter with someone who's part of a group of people that have given you trouble. And they come to you by night. You'll probably have your guard up. You're probably thinking, okay, here it comes. What am I going to have to deal with now? And you've kind of got your, your lines and, and some of your thoughts together, and you're ready to have this Holy Ghost-filled debate. And then the person starts off by saying, you know, you're an amazing person. You truly are a, a, a gift from God, and we can see and recognize the presence of the Holy One in your life. Who among us wouldn't be disarmed at that moment? Who among us wouldn't, well, gee, thank you. That's so sweet of you to say. But remember, as we read at the end of chapter 2, Jesus knows Nicodemus. He knows all of us. 
And it was clear he came to learn about Jesus, and Jesus was perfectly willing, no matter what he said to him, to let Nicodemus know the truth of the deeper questions of his life. His reply in verse 3, to being complimented, to being honored, to being acknowledged as coming from God, his reply was, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. Where did that come from? That wasn't any part of the conversation to this point. Where did that come from? And Jesus began with very truly. Some translations will say verily, verily. And some will even say not born again, but born from above. It's Jesus' way of saying when he opens a sentence with verily, verily, or very truly. Basically, listen up. What's coming needs to be understood and heard. Now, in the Greek, that word there for see and see the kingdom of God literally means to perceive, to recognize, to see with your mind and being and with spiritual insight. Nicodemus, when he hears this, is completely lost. Doesn't get it. Born again? But I did that already. I did that once. Jesus, I'm an old man. How can I re-enter my mother's womb? Nicodemus can only see this statement in literal terms. He wasn't able to, with all of his vast learning, with all of the energy and effort and training he had been, he would have had to have obtained in order to be in the position he was. He couldn't understand the spiritual aspect of being reborn or rebirth or regeneration, even though Ezekiel, Jeremiah, and Joel all have passages in their prophecies that talk about rebirth. So Nicodemus, what you've been reading? This is an experience that happens from above. He is clear. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the spirit gives birth to the spirit, verse 6. This phrase has become one of the most cliché, overused, and because of its overuse, least understood in all of the evangelical church. Being born again, being born from above. As always, it's always good to start with trying to understand what something is by understanding what it is not. It is not simply starting over. Every one of us have experienced a point in their lives where we wish we could find the reset button. Where we could say, can I turn back time even if it's just a couple of minutes? Wishing you could go back and call for a do-over. Undo a past mistake. That's a normal and natural feeling. But coming to the Lord in this aspect of being reborn is not that. It is not starting over because it is starting new. Not starting over, but starting new. What's different is that when you start over, you are still you. You are still basically you. You may have more knowledge and more experience that you want to give to the person before, but you are still basically new. What's different is that when you are new, you are now his. You have a new heart. You have a new mind. You have a new identity. You are above Jesus Christ. That is being born again. 
And you're not relying on your knowledge and your experience. You're relying on his knowledge and his experience. This new life, this new way of seeing, this new way of understanding only comes as a work of the Holy Spirit. You can't work this up. He creates a rebirth in us, a rebirth in people who have already been born. This is not an experience we add to our lives. Well, I've been able to accomplish this. I have this many degrees, that many years of experience, this much wisdom, and I gave my heart to the Lord. No, when we give our hearts to Jesus, it is all of who we are. This is not just a deeper understanding of the various religious motions people go through. This is being given, and many of us can understand this, a new life, a completely new life. This is being, as we sang today, touched, transformed in the deepest way of who we are. This is not a starting over. This is Jesus coming in and taking over completely and moving in our lives. That's why Jesus compares the work of the Holy Spirit to something as so easy for Nicodemus to understand as wind. I got a feel for Nicodemus in this spot. First of all, you start by saying, I need to be born again, and he's lost. And then you go off and start talking about, it's like wind. Huh? I really feel for you, Nick. But it's like wind. You can't control the wind. You can't direct the wind. You can't prevent the wind from impacting your life. We were at a graduation party yesterday, and uh, one of the students from the school where my wife works, and it was wonderful. The family had gone all out. They were so proud of their son graduating from Southern County Community College, and he's a wonderful young man, and they're a Christian family, and it was great. They had set up a tent with all kinds of decorations, and everything looked so, the detail was so wonderful, and they planned for everything except wind. It was everywhere. All these wonderful decorations were circulating through the air with the greatest of ease. They had pictures of their son with various parts of his academic success. And they were standing up on the table, and then they were down. And they would put them back up, and then they were down. And, of course, they had in the backyard this long table with trays and sternos, and you know what happens to fire when wind comes by? It blows it out. So all this wonderful hot food they had planned was now lukewarm food. You can't control the wind. You can't direct the wind, nor can you prevent the wind from impacting your life. And Jesus says in verse 8, so it is to everyone born of the Spirit. Has anyone ever tried to tell the Holy Spirit how to work in your life? It's really, really a complete waste of time. And we like natural birth. When you're born naturally, that's not something you do. That's not an individual event or an individual experience. You're born into a family. And when you're born again, you're born again into a family. Like your natural family, you're born into a family that is dysfunctional, that is flawed, and that got issues. Pastor, did you just say that about the body of the Christ? Yes, I did. 
and I said it with all conviction. But when we come to the family of God, when we give our hearts to him, and not just start over, but start new. And the distinction might seem so subtle and even semantic, but it really is deep. We are born again. He says in verse 7 again, in case Nicodemus didn't get it, you must be. And he says in verse 9, Nicodemus, because he's still not getting it, how can these things be? How can these things be? Matthew 19, verse 26, Jesus answers the question, not to Nicodemus, but Jesus looked at him and said, with man, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Aren't you glad in your life all things are possible? But pastor, you don't understand the mess I've made. With God, all things are possible. But you don't understand what that person did to me. With God, all things are possible. But that person annoys me so much, I just want to strangle them. I know none of you have ever felt that way about anybody. But with God, all things are possible. Former enemies can become friends. They can become loved ones. They can become family. Because with God, all things are possible. Bottom line, Nicodemus was right from the very beginning of the encounter when he said, for no one could perform the work and the signs that you do unless God were not with him. You know, we hear a lot today in our culture about various different miracles being performed by different people. We even hear of miracles being performed by the enemy, that he can do this or that, or uh, those who worship the enemy are able to do different things that seem miraculous. You want to talk about a miracle when God does a miracle in your life? You change for the better. Your life is never the same. When God brings his miracle working power into your life, the miracle isn't the goal. It's a sign to point you to a relationship with Jesus Christ. That was true today. That was true for him. Hasn't your life been changed? Hasn't your life become different? I look back over the course of my life. I still remember at the end of my junior year of high school, I had been, for the most part, through high school, at best a C student, and that was when I really cared, which wasn't often. I was a C student. And something inside me said, you know what, I want to try and step up a little bit. I want to try and do better and give more and have more expected of me. So I went to my guidance counselor with basically this story and said, you know what, I want to, in my senior year of high school, not just take... Uh, it was called Regents English. I want to take Honors English. And he looked at me with concern and love in his eyes and said, Hiram, that's a bad idea. That's a bad idea. You're just going to fail. And why do you want to do that in your senior year? I can't tell you how crushed I was. This is a man that I didn't have a lot of interaction with, but I looked up to. He was my guidance counselor. And he basically was looking at me as a C student, 
coming into a class with a bunch of A students and saying, you're not going to make it, you're not going to fit in, you just, it's going to hurt your senior year. And so I didn't take honors English. It was so thrilling to me when I got to college and twice made dean's lists. I wanted to find that guidance counselor so bad. <laughs> I did. I wanted to find him and say, hey, look, now turn on your resignation. I mean, because you're, you're awful. And I, didn't, I didn't do any of that. That's what I felt. That's what I felt. But I've always kind of doubted my abilities when it came to certain things. And some of that, as I've shared with my testimony, went back to some of the issues I've had with speech over the years, of, especially when I was young. But God didn't just start me over. He made me new. And church, he can do that for you today. He can make you new. If he can take a C student who stuttered and make him a preacher who now is two-thirds of the way through seminary and has a 4.0 average, if he can do that for me, he can do that for you. He can do anything because with God, all things are possible. But it's about a surrender. Hallelujah. It's about not just trying harder. It's not just by doing more religious things. It's not just about doing more good things. And please, if you're doing good things, continue to do good things. Don't go saying that Pastor Hiram said doing good things doesn't matter. Please, keep doing them. Especially if you're doing good things to me. Keep doing good things. But being born from above... Having that rebirth experience isn't about what you and I do. It's about what he's doing in our lives each and every day. I thank God that he has never left me since that day I said yes. You are king and lord. You are master and redeemer. You are my savior. You are my everything. That's being born from above. And then because we people on this planet tend to get forgetful or we get influenced by things around us, that's a commitment we need to make every day. We need to rededicate often. I remember when I served on the state youth board here for the Church of God many years ago, uh, almost 20 years ago. And that's where I learned in that wonderful environment of God moving among young people, how I was not called to youth work. I just, I, I, I have two sons, and they're 12 years apart, so I basically had to deal with each of them by themselves as a teenager. Put 100 teenagers together for me, and I am not called to youth work. I found that out really quickly. But I was always amazed at what God could do in someone's life at any age. To see at many of the youth conventions or the youth retreats or the youth camps, not only God moving among young people, but moving among the counselors, moving among the adults who were there to guide the young people and having the young people pray and guide the adults. That's what God can do when he makes something new. Today, 
God can not only do wonderful things in your life, he can do new things. Now we get to this place, and I'm not sure why we do. Maybe it's our culture. We think we reach a certain age and, well, I'm done with new things. Kind of lived and heard it all and seen it all and done most of it all. And I'm at an age now where I'm enjoying life, but no, God can do something new in your life. New and fresh. Need I remind you that called Moses to lead the nation of Israel out of bondage at the age of 80. 80. And ladies, dare I talk about Sarah? Who God blessed by the power of the Holy Spirit to conceive her first child at the age of 90. Yeah, I didn't think I'd get too many amens on that one. I'm not suggesting specific things that God will do new in your life. But it's not just his mercies that are new and fresh every morning. His power is new and fresh every morning. His presence can be new and fresh every morning. We could have been walking with him for 30 years and wake up and have a new, fresh experience with him. That's who Jesus is. That's who Jesus was met with Nicodemus in that garden that night. That's what he was trying to get through to this religious leader. Except one is born again, born from above. You're not going to recognize the kingdom of God. You're not going to be able to understand the kingdom of God. You're not going to be able to see it. How about you? I want to be able to recognize it more and more each day. I want to be able to understand it more and more each day. I'm looking forward to that day when we see him face to face, aren't you? When we'll be able to walk the streets of glory, when I'll be able to walk the streets of glory without a bad back, without a cane, when I won't even have to walk. Maybe I'll fly. Who knows? But until then, just knowing that Jesus is wonderful today, and he's going to be fresh and new tomorrow. That is the experience we hold. That is the power of living each day for Jesus. Stand with me, please. I'm going to ask the worship team to come. We have a song to do before communion.